0: Welcome to another edition of Anglican Unscripted episode 443. I'm Kevin Coulson
1: and I'm Gavin Ashenden and it's the 2nd of October and this time I've plugged my computer into the wall.
0: You know people would never know all the stuff that goes on behind (laughs) the scenes here. You know starting with sometimes I have odd title choices for the little slides. I'll, I'll say Gavin How's this sound? <gasps> oh, no, you can't say that Kevin. Cam- no, 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 <laughs> you'll go down in flames. And sometimes we don't plug in our equipment. Right now, right outside, <laughs> right outside of camera range, my office is in complete disarray because I'm moving some of the servers down to the basement and I have things unplugged, uh, cords everywhere, but it's all outside of camera view. All you see behind me is a Diet Pepsi my guitar, and a, a nice painting I got from Kenya from a friend. So we don't live chaotic lives at all. Kevin, how are you doing?
1: Oh, well, Kevin, now I've discovered that I need to plug my computer in to make it work consistently for half an hour. I, I'm, I'm feeling much more confident about life. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, we were having such a good conversation. We were. And I I, I thought that probably it had enough battery to last, but clearly it, uh, uh, its battery isn't. What it used to be so we're back on the mains again and um well uh, it, it, it's a it's a lesson
0: i'm going to tell you the secret to anglican tv okay this is just between you and me you can't tell anybody but the Fine, secret, of, secret of anglican <laughs> tv is when i used to do an interview i was guaranteed a 20 minute answer from anybody who was wearing a collar to even a yes or no question Okay, they, people love to talk, and they love to tell you, you know, things, and that's just the secret to Anglican to TV. My first interview was uh, Keith Ackerman, and he, in, in 10, 20, 30 minutes, uh, just delivered wonderful interviews, and it made me famous. But uh, um, that's the secret. People with clergy, clerical collars don't give yes or no answers. If only
1: you'd gone interviewing people of the caliber of Keith Ackerman, you'd <laughs> be famous still. <laughs>
0: I'd still be famous. <laughs> you, you made me famous too. But let's move on. Oh, first of all, before this is audience participation time, before you see anything that we're gonna say or talk about, any of the <laughs> laughter, the, the 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 fun we have, share the program. Like the program, save your comments until you you've you've watched it. But everything else, just you know, make this a viral video uh, because we're interviewing a famous person who's been banned, but we'll get to that later. Let's talk about cathedrals. Uh, there was a recent conference, very recent, over in England where a bunch of people who wear these little collars got together and said, what's the cathedral for? What can we do? How can we make it better? And I thought you and I could talk about what is the cathedral for?
1: Well, a good question. There were two points of view, there were many points of view at this particular cathedrals conference in Manchester recently. Um, one point of view, the one I think I respected, said uh, cathedrals ought to be all about mission. Uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury was there and he said they all ought to be about fun and if you didn't know how to have fun in a cathedral you you, you hadn't been born. Uh, a friend of mine wrote to me, who's um, been a church warden in the Church of England for a long time. He's married to a, an excellent uh, woman priest, whom I admire greatly. And um, he wrote to me saying, uh, I, "I was I was explaining to him this crisis I'd had on Twitter and um, why it had come about, and that he ought to read this very interesting article that described it." And he said, "Look, censorship is important, and uh, I, I agree that." Um, uh, you know that's at the top of the list but if you do anything in your commentary please hold Justin Welby accountable for saying that cathedrals were palaces of fun because it's the most outrageous and silly thing i so Kevin although some people say that we are unfairly dis- uh, ill-disposed towards the present holder of the chair of Saint Augustine it's not without a certain amount of audience
0: participation <laughs> Well, I heard the fun comment, and I'm like, what's he think? Maybe colored incense. Maybe purple when the the incense goes. I don't know what fun. What is he talking about? Because certainly the invocation of the Holy Spirit at a cathedral service is joy. Is he confusing joy and fun? It's a three-letter word. It's easy to screw up. Well, you Americans
1: have, have have taken one of the most important words in the English language and the Christian lexicon, and, mm-hmm. and you've turned it into the kind of the equivalent of okay. I mean, for you, you, you pronounce it awesome, but awesome. <laughs> for, for, for awesome. awesome, but cathedrals are awesome. They're about awe. They 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 are so astonishing and so transcendent. They take and they should take your breath away. And whatever we do with cathedrals, it should be to help people find their breath taken away by majesty and by awe. But uh, once you've got people's attention, you should use it. And I feel particularly strongly here because I was converted in an Anglican cathedral. Uh, I, I was a law student. I hit a crisis, kind of serious crisis, and all students hit. And I, I went to the local church. Um, actually, I, I'd had an out-of-the-body experience, in which I'd been judged in the court of heavens and sent back. Um, I, we don't need to talk about that here but on, I had had a very vivid experience of God who'd forgiven me and loved me and sent me back and I needed to find him and so I was on a I was going through all the major religions and I thought well I'll start with a local Anglican parish church and I went in there and they did Book of Common Prayer and I didn't get it and so on the way out the vicar said hello I haven't seen you here before and I said you won't see me here again either. <laughs> He said, why not? I said, I'm looking for God. He's not here. (laughs) Whereupon this excellent vicar who turned out, in fact, to uh, be one of the most successful vicars in our age, but had just arrived at this rather dozy parish church, said, the cathedral is having somebody talk about Jesus on Saturday. If you're serious, go and listen. I was serious. On the way down, I met four groups of people, all of whom invited me to somewhere else that night. It was like a biblical parable. Mm-hmm. The first people said, there's a free concert. You have to come. The second people said, our best friend's having a 21st birthday party. The third one said, they're doing free drinks at this pub.
0: Fun. By the time the that's four- fun.
1: <laughs> it was all fun. They were, they were luring me. <laughs> Kevin, that's deep. They were luring me away with fun. Uh I I got to the cathedral, I heard this man speak about Jesus, and at half past eight on March the 1st, 1975 I gave my life to him. Now, you're right, we can have fun elsewhere, but cathedrals, primarily I'm convinced, ought to be for introducing people to Jesus. And the Church of England hasn't used you haven't used them enough for that purpose in my opinion.
0: Well, I want to go back just a little bit, talking about Justin Welby who just a few weeks ago said that He doesn't want food banks and churches. He wants the government to take over. So if I'm not mistaken, obviously the church stumbled, the government picked up, now the government has fumbled completely, and is the church going to be there to pick up again and have mission in in the cathedrals?
1: It's a great tragedy that Mm -hmm. there are people hungry in our very rich world. It's an appalling indictment on the way we do society, but Every time there is an indictment on the humanity of society, the church has been there to show the love of God. And throughout the whole of European culture, we've cared for the sick, we've educated those without education, we've looked after the dying, we've fed the hungry, and people have have been in a position to put two and two together. Although it's not a good thing to have hungry people, if there are there, it's a wonderful thing for the church as a voluntary organisation, with no axe to grind whatsoever to go and to feed the hungry. How the archbishop could place political priorities and the, the, the functioning of the state above an opportunity for the church to witness and show the love of the Christ really, really defeats me. This, it's terrible that people are hungry. It's wonderful that Christians are willing to feed them. And certainly in the last 20 years, one of the things I've been most proud of in the church are the food banks, where anyone who needed feeding could go and get fed. And then when they said, who are you all and what are you doing here, came the opportunity to say, well, just in case your soul
0: is hungry, we could talk to you about Jesus. Absolutely. Feed you in many different ways. Um, Let's go back in history. For people who watch this show, all 434 episodes, I forget what the number was, 33.
1: Four four three, Kevin. Four it's, four three. It's, it's in like my memory.
0: Memory issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I never get caught with that happening. No. So back yonder, episodes one hundreds and two hundreds. You remember I had another Englishman on here named Peter Old, and one day Peter said, "I got a new job working for the banking system, and I'm not going to be available to you anymore, uh, and you can't afford me." I said, "Okay." He goes, you've done, you've interviewed Gavin a couple times. You need to to interview him again and get him on as a regular. I said, yeah, Gavin's pretty cool. He's funny, jovial. He's a great Englishman. He says, no, you don't understand. Chaplain to the Queen. Uh, four, four, he's a canon something Cha- something.
1: something. Theologian. Canon oh. theologian. Oh yeah
0: yeah. You know he's Church of England and uh, like me, he he questions everything and you know I said oh, that's just really cool. And then, you know, I was thinking about that the the other day. I said, you now have another feather in your cap. You can now add to your resume, banned by Twitter. Do, do, (laughs) do, (laughs) do. I mean, you have quite (laughs) the resume.
1: But, but before I met you, Kevin, I, I was quite respectable. <laughs> since since <laughs> something's gone very badly wrong,
0: <laughs> I hear that a lot.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm going to blame God rather than Anglican unscripted but but it's certainly a fact of life that uh, I've I've be, been stripped of all my pretentious blandishments. However, uh, it is an honour to be stripped of my blandishments for the gospel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but one of the things I knew would happen one day, but I didn't expect it to happen so soon, would be that if you if you made Christian pronouncements on on in social media, the progressive uh, culture would, would move against you. In my case, a friend of mine had written an article. Jules Gomez. Jules is um uh, he's an excellent theologian and he's uh, he does wonderful research. He wrote a very long article on the crisis in the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and in this particular case, he uh, he wrote saying that one of the things they discovered in America was that eighty percent of what was described as paedophilia was in fact not 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 a heterosexual child abuse, but homosexual abuse of adolescent boys.
0: Which is which is
1: See, that's not, not pedophilia,
0: that. that's different.
1: It's something called ephebophilia,
0: okay, in fact.
1: But but the reason it's different is because you 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 need to know what you're dealing with and what the problem is. And, and many Catholic commentators have said, "Well, one of the problems we've had is an influx of gay men into the priesthood, disproportionate to any other age, as far as we can tell." And um, uh, I, I wonder if I, I wonder if Anglican Unscripted can bear can bear this story. But but maybe I should explain it um, very briefly, Kevin. One of the things that changed my views on LGBT issues when I was a university chaplain. Uh, was a, a young guy who used to come and talk to me about his love life. Um, he was Polish, and he wasn't doing very well with the women. And he would come, and I'd make him coffee, and he'd lament. And then one day he'd say, Gavin, do you think I'm gay? And I said, I, I have no idea. Uh, and he said, well, this man likes me and says he thinks I'm gay. I said, well. And I, I, I was in a very liberal stage of things, Kevin, and I was very fond of of. of, of uh, my lesbian congregation who were largely lesbian to a person and I, I felt very defensive for these kids as they struggled to find their way uh, with with um, conflicted sexual longings and identity and I wanted to defend them and love them um, so this this guy developed a relationship with, with a homosexual uh, man who proposed a relationship and um, uh, and they began to live together so he then said, well, I, I, I am gay, clearly. And then one day he came back to me and said he was unhappy in his relationship. And I, I said, what's the matter? And he said, well, you understand this is a permanent, faithful, exclusive gay relationship. I said, yes, I understand that. He said, well, the difficulty is that he's sleeping away too often during the month. And I'm finding it difficult. And I said, well, that's, that's very sad. I thought it was a faithful, exclusive relationship. Oh, he said, it is. But he sleeps away with twelve partners a month. Now he said the rule in Brighton, Gavin, if you don't, unless you understand, is that all faithful gay exclusive male relationships are allowed four free sleepovers a month, for it to be exclusive. But he said twelve is pushing it a bit. And I said, are you really telling me that this is how homosexual culture defines itself in Brighton? I had no idea. He said, well, how funny you didn't know. <laughs> one of the things that but people don't know, and one of the things that um uh, that the gay community have been, the progressive community have been very keen to keep out of the public eye is uh, the proportion of gay men who find themselves with a highly developed sexual appetite. Mm, yeah. In this particular case, it's within the Catholic Church, and it's expressed itself in this sexual crisis. So a friend of mine wrote an article, and i I tweeted drawing people's attention to the article. And I wrote this. Dr. Gomez argues that the Catholic church sex scandal is not about paedophilia but about homosexual lust. 80% of the abuse was by homosexual clergy on teenage boys. This is predominantly a gay crime, not heterosexual paedophilia well this got me banned yes, it did. Uh,
0: how dare you go on down on the Roman Catholic Church like that uh, you know, they have, they don't allow any religious intolerance
1: well apparently some Roman Catholic must have complained about my, the hatred it. I had towards their community, I assume it was a Roman Catholic, it, must. it can't have been anybody else must have, we
0: know they're full well, of hatred what did the Twitter email say
1: it said, uh, hi Gavin Ashenden <laughs> hi, hi. 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 <laughs> your, your account has been locked for violating Twitter rules This is great, you know, it's in different colours, Kevin That's It's making it gay, <laughs> colourful, I mean Specifically for Violating our rules against Hateful conduct Well, okay, first of all, it's this speech, not conduct You may not promote violence against, threaten or harass other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability or serious disease. Clearly this was religious affiliation.
0: Religious affiliation. affiliation. They got you. You're going down. You're not awesome (laughs) anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So they said you can't come back and write anything until A, you've deleted this tweet and B, apologize. Mm -hmm. So I I wondered if it's a matter of principle I should do neither. Uh, in the end, I, I decided. So some some friends said, "Look, it's better that you should be trying to say constructive things for the gospel on Twitter." Some of the things I put on Twitter are constructive for the gospel. Uh, so I I deleted it and um, and I didn't apologise. I I um, uh, oh well I, I suppose as a Christian for apologia, an explanation for. I wrote an apologia. Sure. Uh, anyway, the moment I deleted it, I was I was I was back on. Adrian Hilton Cranmer took it up and wrote a, wrote an article about it, very kindly, saying, "Actually, we really have got to a problematic place when uh, a fairly neutral description of fact becomes castigated as a hate crime and invokes censorship." Uh, so, even though I might have chosen other words, um, it is the thin end of the wedge when you get censored for describing something factual that came out of a report
0: yeah that's that's just the way it's going to be for a while I don't see you turning around you know a, at well, all well it's going to get worse uh, well,
1: yeah. I mean
0: and that's going to get worse uh, it's not just us of course there was a,
1: a scientist in CERN who got suspended yesterday for saying that, that men like physics better than women do mm. uh, and yeah. uh, so you know the progressive culture won't have people uh, saying things that, are, that undermine its, its particular value set.
0: I remember reading an article, and this is a long time ago, it's probably been scrubbed from the internet, you know that the average homosexual person has 26 relationships a year. You know, now that's the average. There are those who are really in defined uh, single relationships uh, with one other partner forever. So who's throwing off the average? Yeah, well, yeah. so we need
1: to say, of course of yeah. course, there are gay people who behave with the utmost yeah. and probity. Mm-hmm. Of course there are. The problem is the proportion of men, not women, right. this is a,
0: this this is a men, male, yeah.
1: the proportion of, of men who don't behave with that level of restraint and, and fidelity, and it looks like it's a high proportion. But this is the, one of the things you're not allowed to say in the public space.
0: Oh, boy, we're in trouble again. Um, I need to make an announcement. Sometime in 2040, maybe 2050, I'm going to retire. <laughs> You're going to congratulate me now. That's fine. But I just need the time to finish up some things. Uh, no, we're talking about uh, Archbishop of York, who has announced his uh, upcoming retirement.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> He's going he excited. I
0: thought for sure you'd be more excited. Apparently he wants to allow more time for people to look for his replacement and to maybe uh, waterproof the basement in the church or something.
1: Well, that would be very good if they waterproofed the basement there because that would stop records of, of, of male sexual offenders being lost by the church mm-hmm. when people wanted to make them accountable for child abuse. So that would be a useful
0: thing he could do. Mm-hmm. And we look forward to hearing that they've been waterproofed in the next 12 months. <laughs> now, if you didn't get to watch this episode, it's because we were banned on Facebook, banned on YouTube, and banned on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kevin Carlson.
1: I'm Gavin Ashton and you've been listening to episode 443 of Anglican Unscripted.